This week, we're going to start talking the real life. And this is actually exciting for me because I'm new, like obviously I'm the new guy. And so to know the heart of Willow Park uh, and talk about it more deeply is actually, I am looking forward to doing these four weeks with you guys. And so hopefully I can share the vision well. Uh, If we don't know what the real life is, we have, I think, a slide here. Okay, this is my... Real life series, let's act it out. It's my little hashtag. You'll get, we'll see why I say let's act it out. But this is our vision for Willow Park uh, as the network, as a whole. The R, it stands for the redeemed life. We are redeemed. We are redeemed people. And as redeemed people, what do we do with that redemption? How do we live out a redeemed life? Oh, I just swallowed my spit. How do we live out a redeemed life? E, the empowered life. We are empowered people. How do we live out this empowered life? Like, who's empowering us? A, the active life. What does this active life look like? Does it look like going to the gym every day? How does this active life look for Willow Park, for us as followers, for us as a church? And the listening life. Like, what are we listening to? Who are we listening to? What is the listening life about? It's about hearing Christ, hearing what he's saying to you through word, through the Bible, through prayer, through even just the encouragement of others. So this is the Willow Park vision. But if we can encapsulate it really into one sentence, what the heart of it is, the vision statement for Willow Park is this. And this is huge. This is what every church should do. This is what it's about. To see lives transformed by Jesus in the Okanagan Valley. This is why we do what we do. This to us is the real life. This is what we want to see. This should be what we know we're known as, Willow Park Church Creekside. To see lives transformed by Jesus in the Okanagan Valley. We're going to talk first today on our redeemed life. And if we go to Willow Park's website, this is what they've said about the redeemed life. is where it all begins. Gospel-centered life. We live in a broken world. Anyone can see that. We believe it's God's plan to rescue, to redeem, and transform those who love and believe in him. Many of our programs are designed to introduce people to Jesus for the first time. Alpha, living nativity, and community groups, to name a few. So this is what they say the redeemed life is. And we're going to dive a bit deeper into this today. So let's bow our heads and pray before we begin. Father, we thank you that you redeemed us, that you bought us. And Lord, we want to live this life out well. Lord, we want to be redeemed people. Lord, we've all had the stories. We know where we've come from. And so we're thankful that by your grace, by your goodness, we are saved. And so, Father, we pray as we... Dive into your word. Lord, as I share here today, I pray that these words will be yours, not mine. And so let us be transformed again by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So, have you ever broken anything? Yeah. If you are alive and breathing, you have broken something. Maybe you broke something this morning. I have broken things. I've broken many things. Um, and we see we have a picture of broken pottery up here. We had just traveled into U-Haul, packed it full, and like it was, 
ugly looking. We opened it. The first thing that fell out was a bunch of cups. I broke a cup. My wife blames me. I just simply opened the door. It wasn't physically in my hands. We were talking about this this morning, but that's something else. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but what we were thinking about was like, what have we broken? Like, right? When we travel that far of a distance in a U-Haul, like, did, did we break anything? Like, not, I'm excited to open the boxes, but I'm looking like with like, just like, oh, is there anything broken in here? No, okay, thank the Lord. If there was, I would hide the box and just said, yeah, we must have not packed it, Kim, sorry. <laughs> but there's one thing that I've broken recently that I remember, and we had these, besides the cups, I guess, um, we had these cream and sugar pottery-made, uh, I guess, condiment things, whatever you want to call it, and on the sugar it had this lid, very beautiful, and I remember... I was grabbing something from the top shelf, and on, it must have slipped out of my hand, or must, something must have just been on top that I didn't see, and it fell right into the top of the lid, broke it, shattered. We cried for days, um, but then we got over it. And so when you break something, you, you know, it doesn't feel good. You're upset. You're just tired. You're like, ah, oh, that stunk. Or you try to fix it, right? We, how many of you have tried to fix something that you've broken? First thing, Gorilla Glue. So uh, Ken, we found all the little pieces of this pottery lid, and we, she tried to glue it back together. Actually, she did an amazing job. Um, but there was this one section that was missing that we just couldn't find. Right? When we break something, we want to try to fix it. We want to try to redeem it. We want to try to make it back to the way it has been. And so sin is like, is like this. Sin came in, and it broke us. It, it, it kind of it divided us. It was like dropping something on the ground, shattering it. Because we, we were created, and God said it was good, and we were created to be good. And so this was a good pot. Then it broke. And obviously this pot, not so good anymore. It was no accident that we were made. It was no accident that God created us. It was no accident that he had crafted us. Because in Genesis 1, 1, it didn't say this. It didn't say, in the beginning, God was bored and alone. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I did so much these first couple of days. I need a buddy or a pet. I'll create people. He didn't say that. Or it didn't say he looked at everything he made and went, meh. You got this meh. We see this on our phone, right? The meh emoji. When something happens, you're like, meh. It wasn't like, eh. I guess I did an okay job. He said it was, you got it? It was, this is the teacher inside of me, it was good. He said it was so good. He looked back and he was like, yeah, that was good. And I wish I had another emoji to show, like a smiley face one. To actually give us a better understanding of how he feels about us, how he created us, we need to turn to scripture. And if you can turn to Ephesians 2, verse 10. And it's going to pop up here anyways. It says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared forehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 10. 
we are not like a grade one experiment gone wrong. Right? Have you ever made the experiment, the volcano, and it doesn't work? Or I remember sometime, one time, me and my friend tried to make a homemade smoke bomb. It was a disaster. Dust all over my parents' white kitchen floor. We caught a curtain on fire. Like, this is not us. We are not an experiment gone wrong. It says, for we are his workmanship. Now, the word workmanship is, in Greek is pronounced this. Poem. Can we say poem? Poem. Yes, people are awake. Woo! Which is where we get our word for, for what? What do you think? Poem. So in the Greek, his workmanship, poem, means poem. Now there is, when we think about a beautiful poem, right? It's not just some word, word sewn together like, was it? Orange, apples are red. No, I don't know that poem. <laughs> On to the next point. Um, <laughs> we, we are a beautiful poem created by the divine artist, by the, the creator of the universe. Right? There is a connection with the author of the poem and what he's writing about. There's the fine details right, that are pointed out. If we read Song of Solomon, the fine details... There is something just so beautiful when you read a poem, like, wow. They're pointing out just the finite details of that person because there's intimacy involved with it. We're no accident. He loves us. There's, he loves us so much that he said, I will give my son for you. There's nothing we need to do. And sometimes we live like that. We try to do things to get his love back, but we are his poem, beautifully crafted. He cares deeply about us, his poem. And when sin came into the garden and separated us from God, the relationship needed to be redeemed. Redemption needed to happen. Now, redemption is a word we get excited about, right? We like redeeming things. Uh, PC points, PC optimum points, airplane miles, um, TD rewards. You get the, the set eighth sticker on your McDonald's free coffee, and it is the best day ever. You get a coupon, two for one, redemption. Thank you. This is the best. We love the word redemption. We live in a re we think about redeeming things. You get an extra life in a game if you're a gamer, and you're like, no, this is the best. I get to buy one more. And so redemption is, we love it. We love redemption. We love getting things for free. Getting things sometimes that we don't necessarily deserve, right? We, we just need to buy our groceries. They don't have to give us points. We don't deserve it, but they do. They want to keep us. Have you ever heard the story of General Butt Naked or Josh, Joshua Blahey? Here's a picture. Oh, you guys got nervous, right? <laughs> you thought he was going to be naked. But this is Joseph Blahi. So, a Liberian warlord. He would go into his battles naked, just wearing his shoes. And so, he would go in, kill, and kill, and kill. I forget how many people he had killed. I think it was over 10,000 or something like that. He had child soldiers. They would go in, and they would kill before one time he was going into battle, uh, the Lord came to him and said, if you do not turn away from your ways, 
you will die. The soldiers came back, and they knew he had met with somebody, and he changed right then and there, stopped doing what he was doing. And now he's a preacher, an evangelist. Instead of taking lives, he's saving lives. Stories of redemption, right? We love stories of redemption. We love a redeemed life. It's a beautiful thing. We love watching movies like that. Because when there's redemption, it leads us to this. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. No condemnation. When we are redeemed, we accept Christ into our lives. We are no longer condemned. Now, no condemnation... Actually, in the Greek, this is again the teacher coming out inside of me, it's a legal statement. This means that when you are in Christ Jesus, something legally happens in the heavenlies, and you are now no longer condemned. You are now forgiven. Your shame is gone, and a new life begins. Something happens in the heavenly realm when we become a redeemed people, when we accept him into our life. There, something in the heavenlies happens. The law is broken. It's a legal statement because we know there are other laws at work, like the law of sin and death. We all die. Sin causes pain. But when we are redeemed, we exchange sin and death for eternal life. It's legally binding. We are now with him. Paul says this in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ, us being the Gentiles. Christ is our redemption. He is the good news. The gospel is the good news. We are good news people. And there was this beautiful exchange that took place. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that within him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ was made sin. He wasn't a sinner, but sin, a sin offering or a sacrifice. As he who knew no sin was made sin for us, so we who have no righteousness of our own, none, are made the righteousness of God in him. Christ traded places with me, with you, with all of us. He lived the perfect life that I should have lived. And he died the death that I should have died. It's amazing. It's this great exchange that happened. He took my sinful record, which is long, exorbitant, died for it, and offers me his perfect life-giving record in return. It's like he's in line, just changing our record. Like we're going to see the taxman or something, and we're like, we know we owe. And he's like, here, I don't owe. Have mine. Jesus lived in my place and died in my place and then offered to me 
a gift. God's righteousness has been a gift given to me. In Ephesians 1.7, it says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. grace. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We live in a world full of bad news. Full of bad news. We turn the TV on, we hear it. Hurricanes happening, bad news. War happening, bad news. Even in our own province here, there's bad news as we hear things happen. We carry the good news. We carry what everyone needs to hear. We carry what saves people. We carry what Christ has given to us. And we're all redeemed. Or we know we have had that story of redemption. As a seven-year-old boy coming to know Christ in my home. But even after that, I remember walking away from Christ. Then I remember being in a funeral home, or a funeral service of our pastor's wife, and just the feeling the Lord saying, come back to me, come back to me, come back. Christ is always about redeeming us. Always about the story of his grace upon us. We all have the story of how we've come to know Christ. Some of it may be a little bit more extravagant than that. But it's good because he's redeemed you. You've come to know him. Know him. You may be new to this journey of faith. Or you may have wa- maybe you've walked along with Jesus a long time. But we should never get tired of hearing stories about redemption. Redemption stories should never, ever be boring to us. So now, what do we do with this redeemed life? What do we do now that we are redeemed people? What do we do knowing that Christ has saved us? There's a theme that rings true when someone is redeemed. And we're going to get to it here. Because when we read the Bible, it oozes with redemption. It oozes with Christ redeeming his people. It's all about leading his people into redemption. Each story has a redemption theme. Each story it shows the depravity of us and points to the Redeemer, knowing that we need a Redeemer. And there is this one character that stands out to me in the Bible about redemption. His name is Paul. There is a scripture in Acts 9, which we'll get to, that speaks about Paul's conversion. Now, Paul was named Saul before. I met Saul today. This is good. We officially exchanged names. Saul was a bad man. If we read Acts, we know Saul was not good. We see him first at the stoning of Stephen. And there we can tell he's against Christianity. Then after that, we see him dragging people out of their homes to be persecuted, to lock to lock them up in jail. We see this man coming against Christianity. We see him coming into the face of Christianity and saying, I will have none of this. And doing what he can to stop it. He even described himself as this, the chiefest sinner. The head sinner. Then he even says this about himself in Acts 22.4. I persecuted followers of the way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison. 
as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But Paul's life, it needed to be redeemed. It needed to be saved. The fracture of sin, right, needs to be filled with the blood of Christ. Now, as Paul is on his road to Damascus to persecute more Christians, this is not a journey that's like, oh, I'm just going to hop on the donkey. It's just down the road. I'll be there by the end of the day. This is a two-week journey. This is an excursion. This is a, this is a trip. It's a long way. And you know what? It's funny. is like he was so much anger in his heart that in Acts 1 it says, Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples as he went to the high priest to ask if he can go to, to Damascus to persecute more Christians. Have you ever been so upset that you mumbled or murmured? Everybody says, no. <laughs> right? You kids, right? You say something to them. Have you heard this? I'm dead. I don't want to do this. I don't really want to go. Or have you been so upset you've walked away? Oh my gosh. So you just go, oh my gosh. Have you ever been there? This was Paul. So upset. So much anger in his heart. So much content, contempt towards Christians. That even as he went to go ask, he was still murmuring under his breath. That's some kind of anger. That's some kind of, that's some kind of upsetness. That's not even a word, but I made it one. So, during that journey, all he thought about was imprisoning these disciples. All he thought about, right? He's that upset. Two weeks. Just imprisoning these disciples. It wasn't until the end of the road, it says, as he neared Damascus, at the end of this two-week journey. And how true is this for us as believers, that Christ meets us when we're at the end of our road. Christ meets us at the end of maybe what we're feeling. Christ always meets us before the journey's over. He's always there. And here we see him meet Paul. He shows up and he says, and causes, excuse me, causes him to go blind. And the people that were traveling with Paul need to lead him into Damascus. So while in Damascus, Ananias, who is the lead who is led by the Lord, goes to Saul and says, I have been sent by the Lord so you may see again and be filled with the Spirit. Immediately Paul is healed and then got up and was baptized. Now this is redemption. We have received it, which is key. This is huge to a redeemed life. Receiving redemption. If there's anyone here who hasn't received Christ, hasn't received him as your Savior, I would love to talk to you after this service. Because this is the beginning of the redeemed life. He has come for you. He has saved you. He wants you to come into his kingdom. He loves you so much. The beginning of the redeemed life is accepting him as your redeemer. But the redeemed life doesn't stop there. That's half of it. Just half. Like, what do you mean half? What we do with what we have received is important to Christ. And that rings true throughout scripture. What we do with what we've received is so important to him. And as I read the Bible, when I see redemption received, there's an action that takes place after. And it is this. We see in Paul, he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he gained strength. 
Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus and now once began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Redeemed, he's doing something with his redemption, saying about his redemption. And we see this in Luke 8, the demon-possessed man, after he is healed by Christ, Christ tells him to go and tell, me what, tell others what I've done for you. In Acts, we see people receive Christ and then share Christ. Redemption, now I want to give others this redemption. I want to share this redemption with others. Because we are all broken pieces of pottery. We're all broken. Jeremiah 18, right? We see the picture of Jesus working on this piece of pottery. It's implied Jesus. We see this potter working on this piece of pottery. And he smashes it. And then he starts back new again, building it up. When I hear about that, when I see of that piece of broken pottery, when I know I'm broken, but I'm redeemed, I think of this. That broken pot put back together. Do you know what this is actually called? It's called kintsugi. This art form repairs broken pottery with lacquer, dusted, or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. So they take broken pottery and they shape it back into a beautiful piece of pottery. And we can see the cracks of where it was broken, filled with gold. This is redemption. This is like us. We are that broken piece of pottery. We are on that potter's wheel. Uh, wheel. And he forms us and shapes us and makes us beautiful again. Redeeming us. I'm going to close here. When we've received redemption, right, we love it. We think it's great. When you get a deal, what do we do usually when we get a deal? We usually tell others about that deal, right? When we found out about the optimum points and we received all this money, we were telling others about the deal of redemption that they could receive. We come across a good credit card, maybe with good rewards miles. We're telling about people, this is a good one that you can redeem points with. When there is something happening at a store where they're giving something away, we tell others about that redemption. When we receive something redeeming in this life like that, we, we're telling others. It excites us. Our redemption story is awesome. Our redemption story is great. Our redemption story needs to be shared to others. Our redeemed life is beautiful. Let's freely tell others of it. So much better than any reward system out there. So much better than any coupon we can ever come across. So much better for the 10 for 10. Because this is what redeemed life is. If I could sum it up, it's this. We're redeemed by the gospel to spread the gospel. Because redemption is free. Free to receive and free to give, share. And isn't it funny that it's free? Redeemed, free, funny play on words. It's free. So, a close in prayer, and then we are dismissed.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for redemption. I thank you that you have redeemed our lives and that you have taken what was broken and you've put it back together. You saw us, your workmanship, and you said it was good. We are your poem. We are loved by you. And you have done whatever you can to redeem that way we were created in the garden. And so, Father, I thank you for salvation. I thank you that we are redeemed. Lord, and the best thing about our redemption is now we can share about the good news of you to others. The good news of what Christ has done in our lives. The best, the best ever. So I thank you for your redemption in us. And I thank you that it is free to talk about and it's free to receive. And so Lord, as we head out, Lord, as we close pray that we would share of this redeemed life with those that we're close with, with those we come across with, those that you've placed on our hearts to share it with. Amen.